today on Anchored in the Word. You will know things that you didn't know before. See, right now we're, we're seeing through a glass dimly, right? We have the Word of God, He explains it to us, but we're not going to get it all till we get there. It's just the way that it is. We have, to, that's, we have to live by faith when it comes to that. But listen what these creatures are doing. Look what they're saying. They don't rest day or night, but they're saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Heaven is a free gift, but a crown is a reward that is earned in Christ. He will reward your obedience and faithfulness. The Bible tells us not to store up earthly treasures, but to store up treasures in heaven. Pastor Bill's message will challenge you to be robed in Christ's righteousness and to invest in eternal things. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, with today's study. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And we've seen this in other places, and we believe it's the... And Isaiah talks about the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit. But the throne, I'm sorry, before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne, there were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Wow. Now, Isaiah talks about this. Ezekiel talks about it a little bit. Um, a little bit of a nuance on the look of these creatures. Um, but Isaiah said they have six wings. I'm thinking, man, six wings. According to, to him, though, they were just using two to fly. One to cover their eyes, one to cover their feet. But the idea is here these creatures have six, six wings and they're not just sitting there, it's something to look at. So like people will put like a statue somewhere on their lawn or somewhere at the end of their driveway and, you know, look at this statue or whatever. But these things had a purpose. God had created them. It says, verse 8 says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. Figure that out. Around and within. Okay, what does that look like? And they do not rest day or night. And you're thinking, now how did, you, how did he know that? Seems like he just got there. And he already has things figured out in heaven. I mean, do they have a sign on them? We're 24 7 seraphims. We don't stop, you know? Well, probably not, right? But there's a knowing. Think about this. When you get there, you will know things that you didn't know before. See, right now we're, we're seeing through a glass dimly, right? We have the Word of God, He explains it to us, but we're not going to get it all till we get there. It's just the way that it is. We have to, that's, we have to live by faith when it comes to that. But listen what these creatures are doing. Look what they're saying. 
They don't rest day or night, but they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This is what they're saying about God. They're recognizing his holiness, that he's a holy God. There's no one else like him. There's no one else like him. Lord God is almighty and who was, who is, and who is to come. And that means this, is that he's always existed. He's the pre-existent one. He's always, I can't even get that through my mind. Have you ever thought about that? How is it that God always existed? Where did he start? Well, he didn't have a beginning. He always, uh, where did he come from? No, he's always existed. How does that work? Well, when you're a created being, it's hard to fathom things like that. You know, we have to believe it. I, I, I think I know, I have a better understanding of what it means to keep going and never end. You know what I mean? I, I, can, I can somewhat grasp that idea. Life never ends. But life never beginning, that's hard for me to figure out. I can't get that. That describes God. He's always existed. We just have to take that by faith. Now, whenever the living creatures, verse 9, give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, by the way, I just want to say this, it's a little off topic, but it's worth, that is a great name for a, a, a worship group, casting crowns, by the way. No, it is, right? I know it's already taken, but my point is, when they came up with this, this was inspired of God as far as I'm concerned. I mean, doesn't it focus you for what your music should be like? I mean, casting crowns, that's the perfect, as far as I'm concerned. Um, no wonder God's blessed what they're doing. But anyway, but that's what they do when they're, you get these creatures flying around the throne, and then the, the elders, they throw their crowns. And my first thought was, okay, John's seeing this. You know, they're, they're, they're throwing their crowns, and I'm thinking, I don't know, I think like this. I'm thinking, okay, so how does this work? Now they've thrown their crown. They got the rest of eternity. Now what's happening now? What's next? I mean, you know, and, and you think about it, it's continual. Every time they do this, they're doing it 24-7. So every time they do it, the crowns go out. And I'd be, you know, I'm thinking, second service, they go get their crowns and come back. No, it probably doesn't. No. I'm trying, well, how do you, you get a better? How does it work? You know, how does this thing work? I mean, you got the crown. You want to throw it at his feet. I mean, does he automatically it comes back or there's a new one? You know, who? I think it's. These are the, 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 the gaps that we have that we can't understand on this side of heaven. And I think the more amazing thing is that we can understand any of it. But, but I, I would say this to you regarding crowns. They are rewards that you earn in Christ. That's not a free gift. The Bible is going to talk about these as we go through Revelation. The, things that, the crowns that you earn as a Christian... Um, you know, by believing in Christ, you, you know, you, you don't earn it. That's a free gift. You, it's heaven. It's, that's not what we're talking about. But then there are gifts for, for your obedience to Christ, for living out the life that he's called you to. You will earn rewards on earth for being faithful, for being a faithful steward of what God's put before you. So listen, you want to be faithful. You know, some people, and it's a bad place to be, they're wondering, how much can I really be involved in the world and be in sin and still go to heaven? If that's what you're thinking, you're in the wrong place right now. You're in a dangerous place. Instead, you should be thinking, man, I want to have crowns. How can I work? I mean, I want to have crowns. So when I, not, not so you can be the biggest crown, but when, when the music starts playing, you've got something to throw at his feet. I mean, we're right there before the throne, and it's going to be great to be there and have something to, to give back. I mean, he's given you, you've earned that. A crown is one that's earned by being faithful to, to what's been put before you. But you're going to be so 
blessed to be able to take that that he gave you and throw it back at his feet. It's, you'll be able, it's, it's, you're going to give your worship to him like that. And, and I, I see it as a literal thing. The Bible talks about these things. So don't waste your time chasing after gold on the earth that will mean nothing to you in heaven. Nothing. The people back on earth will be fighting over it after you're gone. That's generally, you've seen that happen, right, with people's piles of money, even the family members. Uh, you know, don't want to get too far off, but you, you see what can happen when it becomes all about that and it's not about the Lord. But these kind of crowns go before you and God gives you those and then you can give them back to him and have something to give up. My encouragement to you, church, is that you live your life in such a way that you have crowns. That there at the marriage supper of the Lamb and the Bama Seat Judgment, when you get those so that you'll have something to throw at his feet. It won't be about, look at my crown when we get there. That'll be all, all that pride will be behind us. We will be perfected, but it'll be nice to have a crown to throw at his feet when we get there. This is what they'll be saying. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Check out in heaven. There's no evolution in heaven. There's no evolutionary theory in heaven. All that's been put to, put to shame here. on That's an earthly thing. That is something, that is one of the lies that's being told to explain away the very existence of God and where man came from. In heaven it says there that you created all things. Everybody there believes that. Everybody's on the same page with God in that particular time, and everybody that believes something else won't, won't be there. I mean, it's all about Him. And isn't it interesting how the things that people can believe in on the earth, a little far removed, you could say, from heaven, but God's presence is here. And everything that he can do to make himself known to man and the things that man will hold on to, to try and explain away God. And what it comes down to, folks, is really the Bible says in John that the, the reason people don't come to God because their deeds are evil and they want to hold on to them. They don't want to walk in the light because when you walk in the light, you're exposed. And they don't want to do that. And so they hold on to their sin and they come up with, um, ideas, some people are seeking to change the definition of what sin is, try and make themselves feel better. That's not going to work either. It's certainly not going to be like that in heaven. The truth is truth. And someday the earth will be judged by God's truth. And then it will be too late for anybody when that time comes. The Bible says this, it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. So he says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. Because God wanted to. That's why he created us. He wanted to. It's not that he needed to. It's because he wanted to. And he wanted to because he wanted to have fellowship with you. He wanted to have fellowship with his creation. He desired that. And I've got to tell you something. He did it more for us than he did for himself. That's just who he is. He's a, he's a giver. He did it more for us than he did it for himself. And by your will, they exist and were created. And so in heaven, everybody knows the meaning to life. Everybody knows. They're all on the same page. The meaning to life is to bow down before the one who made us. And by the way, it's very fulfilling. In any other life, even on earth, that doesn't consist of bowing down to the one who made you is not fulfilling. It could be fun for a while. It could feel good. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. You can keep busy doing it, 
you can bury your head in the sand and, 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 just, and just carry on. But the reality is it's not fulfilling. There's not peace found there. And God said he wants his people to have peace. Now, I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is another time where a person went to heaven. But this is one of the problems that we have with our limited understanding. This is the Apostle Paul. He talks about a man, but he's really talking about himself. 2 Corinthians 12, 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know. He couldn't figure out. He couldn't even figure out. It happened to me, and I don't know how it happened. I don't know, what was, I don't know exactly what happened to me. It was in the body, out of the body, I don't know. He's going to say this a couple different times, a couple different ways. But he just, you know, he ends the question mark in his mind by just saying, you know what, God knows, and that's enough for him. As long as God knows, that's all I care about. God knows what happened, and that's, by the way, the thing about heaven and his plan. He's got it all figured out, even if we don't. So he says, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. The first heaven is where the birds fly. The second heaven is outer space. The third heaven is where God dwells, his throne. It could be right here. It's up somewhere because we know that the voice said, come up here. So we know it's up. You know, we know that it's an up thing from where we are. So he says, he was caught up to the third heaven. Sounds a little bit like John, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit like the rapture. Christians, get used to being caught up into heaven, all right? Because that's the next event we're waiting for. Verse 3 says, And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He's still kind of figured that one out, right? I don't know. God knows. He says it again. How he was caught up into paradise. That's a good word, isn't it? To describe heaven. And think of whatever that word means in your mind right now. When you hear the word paradise, right? Paradise. Trouble is you're looking for paradise on earth. You're not going to find it. And you find, I don't know, what is your idea of paradise? You know, I think of, it, I think of an island somewhere with the really white sand and, you know, palm trees, you know, fishing boats. You know, I'm thinking, I don't know, I, you know, but that's on earth, you know, paradise on earth. Whenever you find a paradise on earth, you, you realize that it's flawed. You have to come back after a vacation and rest after that because it's been so hard. Heaven's not like that. Paul he says it's, it's a paradise. That's a good word, Paul. And he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, obviously on the earth we hear things, oh, that shouldn't be uttered again. You know, that's in a negative sense, right? Because it's sinful creation, right? Somebody says something that shouldn't be repeated. But that's not what's happening in heaven. Everything's perfect there. Everyone's perfect there. But what is he saying then? I've heard things, inexpressible words, something that you can't express, which it is not lawful for me to utter. Not just that God said, Paul, don't say anything to anybody about this. No, it's like, if I tried to explain this to you, I wouldn't do it justice. I, I, I just figure, I can't, even, I can't even explain what I saw. That's what I take from this, from Paul. And he says, which is, un, he says, which is unlawful for a man to utter. But I want you to notice that Paul got taken up. He got taken up, and so did John. Now, I want you to go to one other place in the Bible. I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Another time when, the, when a man, an earthly man, Isaiah, prophet, a man of God, when he got to see the throne. Doesn't happen that often, folks, but it has happened. We have accounts of it in the Bible. 
Ezekiel has an account in his as well. But I want us to focus here in the Old Testament on the book of Isaiah here, chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Well, how else would he be, right? You think of that throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe, we get a little bit of a description of what he was wearing. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each, that's, these, that's what you call these guys that are flying around, these created beings that are flying around. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Very convenient, right? I mean, plenty of wings. And one cried, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. A little bit of a change there the, of the words, but the idea, holy, holy, holy. And it says, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What difference do we see? A little bit of a difference there about Isaiah's visitation than we do over Paul's and John's. He recognizes sinfulness in a big way. Woe is me, my lips are unclean. And we didn't see that with Paul. We didn't see that with John. Now, that doesn't mean that they were, oh, they were, they were better saints than Isaiah was. No. But there was a difference. But before we get to that, I want you to see what happened in Isaiah's case, chapter 6, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a, a live coal, which he had taken from the, with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Now, Isaiah needed that. He needed a cleansing to approach the throne. Because you see that sinful person, and Isaiah was a good man. He's an obedient man, but he was a sinful man. All of sin had fallen short of the glory of God. So when he comes in the presence of Almighty God through this vision, man, he sees himself and he can't even look at, he's looking down and he's recognizing, not only am I a sinner, but all these people I'm with are sinners. And what you see, the difference between this one and the New Testament account is the blood that's been applied, that John and Paul, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, they had the blood applied, and they entered in the way that they did. God was no less holy at that time. But there was a difference. These guys went in robed in righteousness. The cross had happened. Their conversion had happened. When they went to heaven, they were Christians. They, were, they had the blood had been applied to them, and they were robed in righteousness, and they approached. And they were able to not just partake and look, but then to explain. Paul chose not to. But you notice that neither one of them noticed their sinfulness because they were covered by the blood. That is a privilege, my friend, that we take for granted at times. But it's an amazing thing. You see, the only way to get to heaven is to be covered in the blood, to be robed in his righteousness. You see, the king made a way for us. He gave it all for us. He bled for us. And here we are in the New Testament looking back at the cross. 
And the privilege that we have, talking about in the book of Hebrews, read that. We can come 24-7. The, the veil has been rent in two. The Holy of Holies is open to us. 24-7, there's an open door to heaven. We can approach God in the holiness of God because of what Christ did for us. This is an amazing thing, the blood of Christ. It's an amazing privilege to be a Christian. It doesn't just start when we get to heaven, when we die, or when the rapture happens. We're privileged before that time. We can talk to God, and he hears us. That's not true for everyone. We're a privileged people, not because we're so great. No, we're all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God, but because we've chosen to believe what God has sent, the door that God's given us. And we need to praise him for that because he is worthy to be praised. And so we see the difference in the, in the approaching even in Isaiah's time. And the coal that went to his lips, that was temporary. It's like the, the Old Testament sacrifices. They were temporary. They were looking forward. You know, we see that there's a problem with Isaiah. He needed to have his sin taken care of. And so does anyone that's ever been born has a sin problem. You know, the world is saying that we're ruining the earth, right, by you know, our carbon footprint, so to speak. Well, the truth of the matter is, it's going to tell us in, in Re- Revelation, we are ruining the earth, but it's not by our carbon footprint, it's by our sin. That's what's ruined the earth. That's reality. And the only fix for that is Jesus Christ and receiving him into your life. That's the answer. And we have the answer. So as we, as we finish today, as we come to the Lord's table, I think it's a, it's a perfect reminder to us the privilege that we have to be covered in the blood of Christ. It's a privileged place. Don't take it for granted. You know, you, you can't earn your way into heaven. There's nothing you can do to make a way for yourself into heaven. I was talking to a man the other day about, talking about the idea of being a Christian and then backsliding, and then when you come, seek to come back, the devil wants to keep you from coming back. You know, there's nothing you could do to earn your salvation. The same thing as when you come back. It's by the grace of God. He, he's always got extended hands. Think of the, the prodigal son that went away and shamed his father. He shamed, spent, I mean, just ashamed of what he did. And when he came back to be a servant, he came back, maybe I can get a job with my father. I can live better than, than I'm living now. Here's the Lord. I'm going to kill the fatted calf for you. Got his hands extended out like that. So if you've been away from the Lord and He's calling you back today to a place, that close place with Him again, maybe you're here in this place and you've never asked Christ to come in to forgive you of your sins. You're not, you're not, you don't have a hope of heaven at this point in time. You need to do that today. From Hollywood to the latest top-selling books, the world is abuzz with talk about the end times. Apocalyptic events on the horizon seem to fuel this trend. Our world is so upside down. It's no wonder that people are clamoring for something more, something new. The book of Revelation details these dark and glorious times that are on the horizon. May we hear and see Jesus as we study this book with Pastor Bell. You've been listening to Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey. If today's teaching has ministered to you and you'd like to tell a friend about this message, 
or you'd like to listen to it again, it's archived at our website. That address is anchoredintheword.com. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him, by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Pastor Bill also shares in-depth Bible studies every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. For more information, including driving directions, visit anchoredintheword.com and then follow the link to the Calvary Chapel Coastlands Church website. We hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening today. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again as Pastor Bill will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Revelation. It's our heart's desire that you would be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word. I'm anchored in the Word.